in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Well, hey folks, this is Archie Mason, host of That Farm Life Podcast. Welcome again to another episode here. Thank you for being that listening audience. I know many of you are here in the U.S. Some of you are in other places around the world. So thank you for joining us. We always like to talk with uh, individuals and kind of hear their stories about their work and life in rural uh, parts of America, primarily. That's primarily who we interview. And so today we have a very special guest with us, Miss Jacqueline Wilson. And so we're going to be visiting with her. Now, Jacqueline, you've got a pretty impressive bio. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Archie, thanks for the invite. Yeah, that's the one thing I just like about bios is they always make us sound a lot more important than we really are. But so backstory is I'm a fifth generation cow-cow producer from Lakeside, Nebraska. It's on the western side of the state, right on the edge of the Nebraska sand hills. So I attended school at the university and came home in 2002 to join, at that time, my dad, my uncle, and our cow-calf operation. And since then, we've gone through succession, and I've gone through a couple of different business opportunities, and now my dad and I are full-fledged partners in, in our operation. Okay, so your dad's called the boss man on your on, on your Twitter. So what is? have you always called him the boss man? You know, I started writing editorials about a decade ago and and I was using I was using that name in that and it just stuck. And now it's funny because anytime we go to a convention or a conference together, people were only calling the boss man. And so I think he's I think he's finally accepted it. So it's it's taken him a little bit to get used to, though. <laughs> hey, so you said you've been writing editorials. So I've noticed, too, that you've got uh, quite a few. You do this every week, every month. I do. So it started out, it started out as doing a biweekly, like a, a diary updates of things that were going on for our operation for one publication. And then it just progressed over time. And now it goes out to about 65 to 70,000 producers throughout the Midwest weekly through about five different publications. So it's been, it's been really neat. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, every week it comes around and I think, oh, why do I, continue to do this but then something good comes out of it or a neat story happens and you're like okay I just gotta keep keep pushing keep pushing and do another another article hey so if someone wants they said hey I, I like this uh, lady out there in Nebraska I want to read some of her stuff how can they how can they find it how can they get in touch with you so the easiest way is to head over to midwestmessenger.com and my face shows up on their website a lot more times than I really think it should, but that's usually the easiest way. Or, you know, you, they can also follow me through any of the social medias, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> the list hey, goes on. Yeah. Let the folks know too. How can they find you on social media? So they can easily Google Wilson Flying Diamond Ranch or our direct to consumer business, which is Flying Diamond Beef, or also just follow me, um, for instance, on Twitter at FD Genetics and kind of the same yeah, same about on anything else. So I'm a pretty easy Google. You know, for a lot of our folks that are row crop farmers, we've got all these auto steer tractors now. So if they're in the field, 
here in this podcast because that's when a lot of them listen to it. So that tractor's driving itself. So I guarantee you right now they're pulling you up to uh, uh, see what's going on in your life and, there and you all go. that stuff. Okay, so a lot, a lot of things I want to talk with you about this morning in our time that we have. So now you said this cow calf operation or cattle operation is founded in 1888. That is correct. That is correct. So, yep, we came here through through the Homestead and Kincaid Act and, and over time just continued to buy up more land and smaller operations and got to the point where we are today. So, yeah, it's it's we we did have a, a good party. I remember our 100-year-old 100, 100 party, and we did have one for 125th, too. So I'm hoping to be around a couple more years to celebrate some more. <laughs> wow, that is very exciting. It is, has it always been Red Angus? Because that's primarily what you have now. So it's been Red Angus since the 70s. So prior to that, we were Hereford. I think every operation prior to that was pretty much Hereford. But yep. And then and then over time from the Red Angus, we've also started bringing some Simmental genetics and, and run a, a red and a red sim composite herd right now. OK, so when you talk about FD genetics, explain that. Yeah, so FG, uh, so FD genetics stands for Flying Diamond Genetics, and that came about oh a little over a decade ago. And I spun off on the operation and started another entity where I was um, had a an embryo business that I ran for oh about six seven years, and I ran it at a separate ranch, a different location, which was about seventy miles away from the home place. And so I was constantly driving back and forth daily between the two places, and and I was about as fried out as a person can get. So um had the opportunity to bring in a business partner on that. And um, she was there for about two years before she uh, unfortunately was killed in an ATV accident. And, and so it was, it was a really trying time. And I, I definitely learned a lot. And I think that, you know, those things that happen in our life can either make us or break us. And how we handle them definitely, I think, influences the person that we become for sure. Yeah. If you don't mind, Jacqueline, if we can, because I know farm accidents, we, we, they, uh, well, they occur way too much, just in regard to that. Can you kind of tell us the story, uh, just kind of what happened and then how, you know, kind of how that brought you maybe to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was it was a, a wintry Sunday morning in October, and we were fall calving, and I'd been doing quite a bit of the calving for that operation. And, and so I had asked her if she could come help me move cows for the on a Sunday morning and she came out, we jumped on an ATV and I had another friend out there that jumped on an ATV and I had a horse and, and went and rounded up this group of cows and I showed up at the gate and she did not. And so, um, I knew right away something wasn't right. So it took a while to, to backtrack and she literally passed away, not very far from where we left the trailer at, but unfortunately it was in a place where there was no cell service. Um, it was cloudy, couldn't get a chopper in. Um, it was just one of those things that if everything could have gone wrong, it would have. Yeah. And and so, you know, I think the challenges that day were huge and it was still so surreal, but I think the challenges after that were even harder, you know, of dealing with estate issues and dealing with the family issues. And, you know, it took over two years for the estate to get finalized. And and not only that, but it took me about eight months before I realized I was dealing really bad with PTSD from the accident. And to the point, like, if I was on a four wheeler out driving around, and I had anybody with me at all, um, I, I could not let them out of my sight. And if I did, I would just start dripping sweat. And so I was really, really fortunate and had a, a phenomenal friend of mine that we were at a NCBA convention together. And she had Came up to me at a at one of the speakers and said, "How are you doing?" 
And I said, I'm struggling. And I said, I just, I can't get on top of this. And she gave me an amazing recommendation of something that she had tried called EMDR, which was specifically used for PTSD patients. And that same week, I I found a a counselor in Denver and started making weekly trips over to Denver, which is a five-hour drive for me. And it saved my life, thank God, because it was prior to that, it was like, I can't continue on this because it wasn't good for the ranch. And it was definitely not good for me. And so, you know, I think what what the accident done, it was an absolute horrible deal both for, for our business, both for her family and, and friends and everybody else involved. But there's been a lot of good that's come out of it um, in terms of now being able to go around not only not only the U.S., but the world and talk about, you know, mental health and mental health issues, especially in rural America and share that story. And, and realize that, you know, there are other options out there for people besides a pill. And, and sometimes it can be successful. But I think it takes a really strong person to say, hey, I'm having an issue. I need help. What can I do? You know, and, and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that somebody helped me out. And I'm hoping in turn I can help others out too. Yeah. Well, I think you telling that story today is really going to help a lot of our folks out there who may be uh, struggling. I know it's it's hard to talk about it, but Thanks for doing that. Now, you mentioned something, too. You said, so you found a, a counselor, a therapist that was in their five-hour drive, weekly drive. So a lot of times what we face, in, in especially in rural America, and I know they do in North America and Canada, just rural areas around the world, it's just so hard to get somewhere. Sometimes a, a farmer, a rancher can say, hey, I can make this. I can do this on my own. What advice would you give them if you said, I'm in a place I need to get some help to get through this. I'm willing to drive five hours. Uh, if someone says, hey, it's too big of a hassle to find somebody or it's going to take too much time to do this, but they're struggling, what what advice would you give? Well, I think at the end of the day, you just have to have, have to ask yourself, is it worth it? You know, and I mean, in, in, in my case, you know, I was, it was literally, I I knew that I couldn't sustain what I was doing. You know, I I couldn't constantly be in a, in turmoil and turmoil and concern about other employees or even my dad or, you know, if I had an intern out. And so for me, I think the people around me were, were recognizing that there was that I was struggling too. And and so I just sat down with them one day and said, I can't do this. I said, I'm getting help. This is what I'm doing. And they were a hundred hundred percent plus supportive of it. And I think you know, that's when I realized that you can be, I think ranchers and farmers in general classify themselves as really strong, strong individuals. But you know, I, that was probably one of the weakest moments I felt in my life saying, hey, I need help. But in retrospect, I think it was actually one of the strongest moments in my life too, because that just puts you at a whole other level to realize that, hey, I need, I need to make an effort. And to me and those people around me, it was worth it. And so now, you know, if I, if I say something about, you know, hey, I'm going to go kind of just get a kind of just get a refresher course or something. You, you know, my dad, of course, is the first one to say, absolutely, you know, wholly supportive of, yeah, run down there, take a day off, you know, go go get a refresh and, and kind of rejuvenate it. And, and for sure, it's definitely been a game changer. But it sounds like you have a great relationship with your dad. Oh, yeah, he's like, he's. <laughs> <laughs> we cause a lot of turmoil together, but yeah, at the end of the day, there's, there's, he's my ride or die for sure. <laughs> well, hey, that is so good because a lot of times, you know, working with family on a farm, it gets, it gets kind of interesting. Now, and, and too, Jacqueline, because I've, I've, I've seen you put this on Twitter a little bit. Your, your mom, I know that she is, uh, uh, her health is not well. Can, can you mind talking a little bit about that? 
No, sure. So this go this all goes back to the mental health picture too. So my mom was diagnosed many years ago with anxiety and depression. And, and, you know, I think, think originally it was kind of a misdiagnosis at that time. And, and so instead of doctors finding the root of the issue, you know, they continued to just prescribe pill after pill for, and then that ended up having more, you know, detrimental effects on her than just, you know, getting help did. And so so it's something that I I had continued to struggle with, you know, being around my mom on a daily basis and and seeing the struggles that she dealt has dealt with because of you know misprescription mispres- mismanagement and and doctor mismanagement and whatnot. And so that was also I think a push, you know, when my situation came about to to look for other venues and avenues outside of prescription drugs, um, because for some reason whatever wacky genetics we have we can't metabolize them correctly, and so I think it's I think. When you start talking to people in general, you realize there's a lot of mental health issues out there and a lot of misdiagnosis, you know, whether it be an actual mental health crisis or if it's something that maybe came about because of a hormone issue or a toxicity issue or something else. And a lot of doctors today don't don't look beneath the skin and see maybe that there's something else potentially there. And so it's become a kind of a, a project pet project of mine you just kind of become an advocate for some of those voices out there that may not otherwise be heard you know whether we're so demographically challenged or or we might not have the resources to be able to say hey okay well I'm gonna do I'm gonna focus on my health every single day of the week because I have nothing else to focus on when instead you know we're we're taking care of land and livestock 24 7 and and sometimes self-care is is a really hard challenge for us it is, Jacqueline. Thanks for sharing that too. So you you said demographically ch- uh, challenged. I think I saw again on one of your uh, on Twitter where you you might have showed a picture. It could have been a long time ago. You might have had a something from the mail was twisted up in a bob wire, and it, and it said something like it's ten miles to the ranch. Uh, so you you guys are you and the boss man, your mom and your whole crew. Y'all are way out there. Is that correct? We're we're an hour from a gallon of milk. So, so yes, we're a little, we're a little out there, but it's great because I mean, if, if you have a lot mentally going on and by chance you walk outside in the morning and forget something important, like a pair of pants, nobody's going to know. So I mean, it all works out just fine. (laughs) You know, we've talked a lot about mental health on this show, but I've never talked, thought about that. What you just said, I don't think everybody, anybody's ever put it quite like that, but yeah, I, I, and two, that's, I'm like you. We love, I love living out. So again, an hour from a gallon of milk. Now you've got a direct, you've got a ranch to plate uh, business. Uh, so tell us about that. Sure. So started flying diamond beef about three years ago with two girlfriends, the one that went, one that had passed away. And then my best friend at the time. And, and we had talked about it for quite a while about having a woman owned, you know, pasture to play business. And, and we had the, we had the supply chain coming into it since we had the ranch cattle. And so I had the production aspect covered my best friend. She was really knowledgeable on the feedlot and procurement side. And then, and also in the packing side. And then um, the other partner, she was really good about like marketing. And, and so we had the perfect setup and we hit the ground running like right before COVID hit. And it was, it was going leaps and bounds. And then unfortunately, you know, we had the the passing away and then, and then it took about a year for the estate to get finalized. And then we started in on this new project where we had a, oh, five different partners that were involved where we actually tokenized the first set of feeder steers in the entire world. So we were working. Okay, with- now, you got to explain <laughs> that to me. Explain that to me, what you just said. 
Right. So we were selling we were selling beef as non-fungible tokens or as NFTs. So so I, I'm sure people have heard probably about Hunter Biden and all his artwork and his NFT projects and stuff. So this was the same concept, except it was occurring in, in feedlot steers. So we had some great partners involved on this project and, and we're able to do that. And then now um, a year ago, we took the uh, business completely on the ranch. So we have a 40 foot freezer here on the operation. Um, we actually hired some new teammates here on the ranch. And so Salvetti works for us full time on the ranch side and Grace helps me out on the beef side too. And, and so we're shipping out um, orders all over the U.S., both UPS and Southwest Air. And then we also do a couple delivery routes to both to Colorado and then Nebraska. Wow. So if someone wants to order some beef. How do they do that? Yeah, it's really simple. <laughs> Just head to flyingdiamondbeef.com and our shop's up there. We're actually getting apparel up there by the end of this week. And so they'll have other options to purchase too. And, and hopefully we'll continue to keep growing some of that stuff. So we sell everything from an individual cut to, to dog bones to all the way up to a whole animal. So it's, it's, it's been neat. And I, is it, I get asked a lot, is it worth it? And, you know, from an economical and time perspective, no, not really. But it's made us a lot smarter producers, I feel, because, you know, at the end of the day, I can look at an animal and I can tell you phenotypically what that animal looks like. But being able to see what that animal actually is under the skin has has opened up a whole new world that that I don't think I would have otherwise experienced except for this DTC. So it's been really it's been really rewarding and educational both. So you won an award at the National Cattlemen's Association. Tell us about that. Yeah, we did. So so the boss man and I were actually named the 2023 um, beef National Beef Quality Assurance Cow-Calf Producers of the Year. So it was um, it was very humbling, but it was really great as he got to go to convention for the week in New, or- New Orleans. So we we had a blast down there together. And and yeah. It was oh, definitely- so, he, so the boss man got to go with you. He got to go with you. Uh- got to go with that was one of the that was one of my requirements is i i completely informed him as soon as i found out i said you are going that's it there's no way in heck i'm walking across the stage by myself because i'll look like an idiot so please please go <laughs> so so he did and we had a blast we had the best time ever might have been the last couple of weeks or so that you were were you in washington dc for something concerning cattle um Let's see. Well, I was I was in January. I was in January for policy leadership training for NCBA because I serve as the chair of international trade. But I was actually in D.C. just last week for the Nebraska Humanities Council. So uh, it's something that I've become pretty passionate about is getting involved in other groups that might not necessarily be ag related. So that way I can share the ag story. Um, and so we were out there lobbying on behalf of the, the National Endowment for the Humanities. So it's it always a great time to get out there and see our congressional staff and delegation. We've got a great group from Nebraska. So it was, it was a lot of fun, too. OK, good deal. Were you the were there any other cattle ladies there besides you? At this one? Yes, there, there was. Yeah. Surprisingly, there's a lot more. There's a lot more females at the humanities one than there is at the beef one. So. OK, OK, OK. I didn't know. I know that was kind of an open question, so I wasn't sure about <laughs> that, but good. So l- let me ask you this. So you're out in rural America, as we would say where I'm from in the south, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere in a way. You love it out there. Uh, you know, you and your family have uh, not only just in a business and raising cattle, but y'all face some struggles, you know, and things that go on in life. So what what encouragement, again, would you give to folks that are listening to this podcast and, and they, they're living a, um, you know, it could be a row crop or it could just be in rural America, but they it's got some stuff happening in their life. What, what advice do you give? How would you encourage them? 
You know, I think, well, you said it first off. Yeah, we live in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, and we accept that. And I think that's also one of the things that we're very grateful for is by living where we do and, and doing what we do on a daily basis. And that's, you know, we're, we're feeding the world and it gives us a purpose. And I think that that's one of the things that I see the most in people that struggle with mental issues or, you know, just struggle in general as they sometimes lack a purpose. And I think those in ag have can sometimes find that purpose a lot easier than some of maybe the other industries or entities can. And, and so I think at the end of the day, my, my whole thought process is, is everybody does struggle, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if it's a day, a week, a month or a year, or even one situation or another, you know, there, there are people out there that know exactly what you're going through and can help. And, but the hardest, diff, most difficult part is, is realizing that you're struggling. And, and having enough strength or faith or courage or whatever you want to call it to say, okay, things aren't quite right. I need some help or I need a, a hand or just some advice at the end of the day. And, you know, and, and you might find that in a family member and a friend and a cohort, you might be able to find it somewhere on social media. There's a lot of resources out there that can help. And a lot of them can even stay, you know, I mean, you don't have to even give your name, number, face out to a lot of those resources if you don't want to. But it, it takes a strong person to to definitely battle some of those things that we are dealing with it today. And and I think those in farming and ranching, for sure, are by far some of the strongest individuals I know. But at the same time, we're starting to see alarming issues going on with suicide rates, you know, with mental health issues. And I think the more that we talk about it openly um, hopefully the better we can solve the problem and maybe we'll save a fellow farmer or rancher along the way. Hey, Jacqueline, that's a great word. Thanks for being with us today. Awesome. Thanks, Archie. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Well, hey, guys, you've heard it here uh, at That Farm Life. We also have everything we've listed that Jacqueline has given us as far as how to get in touch with her, uh, how to, if you want to order some beef direct uh, or find out more about you know what she's doing and and even the things that just take place in life. We'll have all that in the show notes. So, uh, you can be sure and look there to get that. Hey, as always, you can check us out at agrihealth.net. You know, and Jacqueline talked about, she talked about a lot of personal things. I appreciate her transparency, her openness, because as we always say here, generally what happens is we talk about stuff that's normally not talked about. And so she was sharing that. And so I know that's an encouragement to some of you. If you've got some questions about that, feel free to reach out to me here, Archie at agrihealth.net. We've also got uh, some of the same type of uh, counseling that Jacqueline talked about after the loss of her friend that, that she went to Denver and got. Uh, we're familiar with that. And so we've got some folks in different states around. So we can get you to the right person if you'd like to do that. So again, feel free to reach out to us. Hey, we plan to be back next week. Until then, keep farming and keep the faith. We'll see you then. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, Keep the faith.